0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. For many years, many have asked the question, what if God was one of us? Through the incarnation of Jesus, God answered that question and Jesus became one of us. Every year for centuries, Christians have celebrated the miracle of Jesus' birth. This Christmas season, we're diving into a new series, Emmanuel, God with us. Learning how the arrival of Jesus Christ changes everything. He came to save us, a broken and crooked world a fallen people. Join us this Christmas as we explore the miracle of Jesus' incarnation and the impact it still has on us.
1: You can be seated as we would like to, to celebrate through communion, what God has done for us. You sang the song. You sang an incredible um, story of the gospel of how the Father sent His Son. And here's what it says in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Do you see anything in that verse that says what your part was in this story? No. This is God. This is the incredible power of the Father in heaven, who from the foundation of the world chose you to be his child. So at just the right time, he sent his son to redeem you out of darkness from really the family of the evil one, and he adopted you as his child. That's what we celebrate at communion. We celebrate the price of redemption, that Jesus' body was broken, like these pieces of broken matzah bread that we have here. The bread reminds us of the broken body of Jesus. His blood was shed to purchase our redemption because of the life of the flesh is in the blood. And it's his blood that had the power to cleanse us as white as snow. And that's what we're reminded of through the cup of of juice that we have here. If you're a follower of Jesus, we'd invite you to celebrate communion with us. And here's how we'll do it this morning. I'm going to pray a blessing over these things. There's a set in the front and then there's a set in the back. After I pray, if you would like to celebrate this with us, Whenever you're ready, you can just stand up and make your way to the side aisles and either come to the front or the back and take one of each, a piece of bread and a, a cup and return to your seats. And then just spend time there as you wait for others to receive theirs. Spend time thanking God for his incredible gift to us. And then once everybody has theirs, and once we're ready, we'll partake of it together. All right, let me ask God's blessing on these, on these pieces of Of reminders of what He's done for us. Father, we do ask that Your Holy Spirit be with us in this time. We pray, Lord, that these simple elements would remind us of that incredibly powerful experience of You purchasing our redemption through the giving of Your Son and the shedding of His blood. I thank You that we can celebrate a death because we are aware of His resurrection. I thank you that Jesus is alive today really to celebrate this with us. And may we as your people be drawn close to you during this time. So bless each one as we remember you. Bless this time as we receive from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. If you'd like to celebrate this with us, just make your way to the side aisles. Come to the front or the back. Once you've received your item, you can go to the center aisle, return to your seat, and then we'll partake of it together. That night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread at the end of a Passover supper with his disciples, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me. Let's remember Jesus' broken body together. And in a similar way, he took the cup, blessed it, He gave it to them and said, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood. Drink this in remembrance of me. Let's remember Jesus together. As often as you eat that and drink that, you're proclaiming the Lord's death. And we'll do that until he comes again. And then we'll experience that celebration with him forever and its eternal kingdom. Thank you for proclaiming his redemption to one another today. Another way we do that is by caring for the needs of one another, recognizing that we're brought into one body together through the blood of Jesus. You're adopted into his family that's filled with tons of kids. And look around. This is just a small fraction of the kids all around the world that are celebrating Jesus today. But being a local congregation, we have the opportunity to care for needs of one another that going through difficult times. And so on the communion Sundays, we make mention of what we call our benevolence uh, fund. We've got little baskets by both doors under our giving boxes, where if you'd like to give towards the needs of people, both in the congregation as well as in our community, you can just uh, drop a gift there. And every one of those gifts will go towards the needs of people. But we've gathered to celebrate the redemption that we have through Christ and how powerful his blood is to wash us as white as snow. I think it'd be good for us to sing about that before we spend time in the word. So would you stand with me? Let's sing.
2: Oh. For from you are all things To you are all things You deserve the glory For oh, you You are worthy of it all You are worthy of it all you are all things, to you are all things, you deserve the glory. to our King. given worth to, Lord, let it be all, just all for you, God, Lord, let us lay inside everything else in this world, Lord, everything else dear to us, and offer it at your feet, it's an offering, as a sacrifice, Lord, declaring out that you are truly worthy of it all, Lord, you're the reason we've come. So let's speak to us today through your word. In your name we sing, Amen. We can have a seat. Well,
1: thanks for singing with us today. Thank you, worship team. John chapter one, if you'd turn there with me, please, as we start out our Christmas series. We are talking about the incarnation of glory of Jesus. It will be maybe a little heavy of a message today, not your light and fluffy, Oh, Christmas, have joy and be happy and may you get everything you wanted for Christmas. Um, In fact, even our song set uh, that the worship team led us in was very God-focused. It's very much all about him. And this morning, as we dive into the Word today, uh, we talk all about Him. And you might be saying, well, when we get to us, because aren't we the best part of the story? Mm. Only, it's a good part of the story, only when we find our story in Him. So this morning, we're going to talk about really a linchpin of Christianity. Probably an underappreciated and misunderstood Uh, concept that is central to our faith. So if we miss this, then Christmas isn't even worth celebrating as we look at some of those most powerful words ever recorded in human history today. Father, I pray you'd be with us as we dive into your word. May May we behold you. May we understand you because of our time this morning. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in 1995, Joan Osborne released the hit song, One of Us. I don't know if any of you 90s music fans remember this song. It's recorded as one of the 100 greatest songs of the 90s, which that's a pretty small category, I guess, so it doesn't take too much work to get to the top 100 of one decade. But the 90s was when music was good, just so you know. One of Us is one of the songs with a very catchy melody, but it's a haunting question, interestingly, coming from pop music. Throughout the song, there's this question, what if God was one of us, just a slob like one of us, just a stranger on the bus trying to make his way home? In the song, it continues to ask, would you want to see his face? Knowing that if you do see his face, by seeing, you must believe. It assumes that if, if you truly got to know God, if he began speaking in your language, if he was one of us, then it would change everything about you and about your view of the world. So do you really want to know God? What if God was one of us? Well... Thousands of years ago, the prophet Isaiah wrote a powerful statement about something that would come, a time when we would see his face, when he wrote, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel is an old Hebrew word that means God with us, and the earliest disciples of Jesus connected Isaiah's prophecy that a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and he will be called Emmanuel. They connected that to Jesus of Nazareth. That Jesus is God with us. That was their conviction. And they believed that to encounter Jesus is to encounter God. And that reality will change everything about how you see the world, about how you look in the mirror, and how you view one another, and how you view God. So today we're launching into a series that we're calling Emmanuel, God with us. Um, On these Sundays in December, we'll look at key passages of scripture, powerful passages that give understanding and meaning to this concept of God with us. But here's a question for you today. If you could see God... How would you imagine him to be? If you could see God, what do you think he'd be like? It's a a tough question because there's a lot of things working against us. One, scripture teaches that God is a spirit. A spirit is invisible. So how would you envision a God you can't see? (laughs) Not Not sure we could. Secondly, it's tough because... The scripture says that God is holy. and That word means distinct or set apart, completely different. That when God is, it says God is holy, it means he's distinct from anything else that you know. He's distinct from creation, anything else made. So he's not like anything else you've ever seen, which is why God said in the commandments, don't carve an image of me because you'll never get it right. So don't make an image of me. So if he's different than anything we could we've ever seen, how could we imagine what he would be like? And then theologians tell us, in fact, John Piper wrote one of his books, he wrote that we can't even imagine the glory of God because of how intense the glory of God is. Kind of like the sun. We benefit from its light, we benefit from its warmth, but you can't stare at it. In fact, it'll create quite damage to your pupils if you try to look too closely at the sun and the holiness of God is the manifestation of his glory. In fact, John Piper said that God's glory is the going public of his holiness, what does holiness even mean? Well, look at his glory and you'll see some of, his, some of his holiness. It's how he goes public with it. Moses asked to see the glory of God. And God responded, if you saw my glory, you would die. So we had Moses hide into a cleft of a rock. And, and God passed by and it says he allowed Moses to see his back or literally his shadow. And just from seeing his shadow, he fell on his face. The glory of God like the sun, virtually impossible to gaze upon. So how can we see the glory of God? Well, one of his disciples, John, wrote a record of Jesus' life and ministry. We have I had you open your Bibles to that, the Gospel of John. It's his effort to record for us who Jesus is and what he has done while on the world. And in verse 18 of chapter 1, he writes this. No one has ever seen God, the only God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Speaking of Jesus. No one has seen God, but the one who is at the Father's side has made him known. And that is Jesus. So John affirms that seeing God is impossible But Jesus has made him known. I hope we all understand that by the time we get done this morning. So to see the glory of God, John says two things. Number one, in order to see the glory of God, we should behold the person of Jesus. As the letter begins, John makes one of the most startling statements of all of history. He says in verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. The statement intentionally brings to mind the beginning of the Bible, right? In the beginning, finish this phrase with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's how the whole story of the Bible begins. And John begins his gospel in this way, by saying, in the beginning was the Word. His intention is to help us understand that God's Word, whatever and whoever that is, God's Word is the agent by which all of creation found its source. And that Word, as he writes, and you can tell from the language of that verse, that Word is a person. It's not just a force, but he's a, he's a person. A person who is both, it says, with God. So it, it helps us know that, okay, this is distinct people involved here because if you're with your spouse, where we understand that, that you're together, you're in relationship, but you're, there's two of you, right? So the word was with God. There's two of them in relationship but then it says and the word was god so here's this crazy thought that though there's two distinct persons and yet they're both god it's the beginning of our understanding of what we call the trinity this idea that there is one god but he's this god is made up of three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. They're all different persons, three different persons, in eternal relationship with one another, and they are God. Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him, John the Baptist that is, and cried out, this was he of whom it is said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. So here's this incredible act that John describes, this this word who was with God at the beginning and he is God, this word became human, he became flesh. This is what we call the incarnation Carnal, carnation, flesh, right? And he became into that. He took on this flesh, this human existence. It helps us understand that this word is fully human. He didn't change his nature. He didn't say, okay, I'm done being God for a while. I'm going to go be human. But it says that he became flesh. He still existed as he was, but now he took on human flesh. The word literally became flesh literally means he tabernacled or he pitched his tent with us. In that culture, in that, their history, that would be an understanding. If you want to join our community, well, come on in, find a place to pitch your tent and live with us. In our language, we would say, you know what? He came and built a house in my neighborhood. This is what the word has done. He came here, built a house, and now he can can vote for city elections. (laughs) He can send his kids to school. You know, all those things that happen when you become one of us. That's what Jesus embraced. Fully human. He's with humanity. He made his dwelling among us. And by that, these verses say, so we have seen his glory. It reveals his glory. Remember, glory is the going public of his holiness. That's a really good definition of understanding. What is God's glory? It's his going public with his holiness. How do you see the glory of God? It's like a sun. You can't stare at it. You can't look too closely or you'll go blind. And yet it says, the word took on human flesh. And now we can. We can see the glory of God. God and the fullness of God is on him. What could previously not be visible or even approachable now is because he took on human flesh. So in Jesus, you don't have to imagine God. If you want to know God, look at Jesus. He is God with us. But some of you would say, yeah, but that was 2,000 years ago, right? I mean, is he still here? Did he build a house in my neighborhood? I mean, literally, can we find this guy? Like Joan Osborne says, what if God was one of us just riding a stranger going home from work? You know, can I see him? Here's how you can see him. John recorded through the supernatural and the spiritual illumination from God recorded this record. Jesus' time on earth. So did Matthew and Mark and Luke. And every time we read of that, we are seeing Jesus. It's not just a history book. You know, with this different slants and different twists and things. And is this really true? And you know, you, I don't know, you bring a history book home from school today, parents. You should read it carefully because what is this slant they're trying to pull? Is this true history or is it not? That's not what you have to worry about with the spirit-empowered word of God that we have. This is God's breath preserved for us to see Jesus, we read of him in the scriptures. Every time we read the account of Jesus, we are beholding him. As you've probably got tired of me saying, my wife and I were able to visit the Holy Land about a year and a half ago, and we saw some incredible scenes Right? We saw where David fought Goliath. We saw the valley and the brook where he chose the five stones. Pretty cool. We saw Capernaum where Simon Peter lived. We saw the shores where he launched his fishing boat. We saw what many historians believe is actually the home of where Simon Peter lived. We saw the remains of that. We're able to see we, were, we stood on the mount where Jesus taught the sermon on the mount. We saw some of the remaining stones from the temple that was there when Jesus walked in Jerusalem. We saw the massive, what they call the Herodian stones. Stones, literally one piece of stone that was longer than this whole stage. It probably stood as tall as the cross. and, And from the far wall to the far wall, that was one stone. It still remains there in Jerusalem. We, we, we walked on the streets of some cobblestone streets that as um, archaeologists have, have worked through the remains there in Jerusalem, they really believe that was first century Jerusalem. We walked literally the streets that Jesus walked on. I'm telling you the story so you can know about it. But I also took a bunch of pictures one, so I could remember the incredible scenes those were. But in case anybody else is interested, I could show you. In fact, we took those, some of those pictures, about, what, a 1 of them, and we put them in a little photo book that we've got in our living room. So if anybody wants to see some of those pictures, you could just take that book and flip through some of that because it's a record of what we saw. It's an image of what is. It's still there. If you want to go, you can go see it. In fact, we should plan a trip sometime and go again. Not now. <laughs> not a good time. Later. Hebrews chapter 1 says that Jesus is the exact imprint of God, that he is the, not just a two dimensional photograph of God. He's the exact image of God. If you want to know God, look to Jesus. It is the fullness of God dwelling in Him in an approachable and visible form because He came as human. Our existence, our joy, Our satisfaction is found in knowing him. How can we know him? How can we approach him as sinful people? There is no way we cannot approach him just like you cannot board a ship and get close to the sun. You will be consumed. So it is with the holiness of God. So what did God do? He said, then I'll come to you in the form of one of you and you'll be able to see all of me by looking at my son. We see the glory of God by beholding Jesus. Secondly, we see God's glory by, number two, beholding the work of Jesus. Verse 16, John writes more about what Jesus has come to do. He says in verse 16, For from his fullness we've all received grace upon grace. We're going to come back to that. We've all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses... Grace and truth came from Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This phrase, grace upon grace. John's writing primarily to a Jewish audience and he reminds them that they had seen a little bit of God's glory when God formed a covenant relationship with them. Remember when God came to Abraham? Abram at the time and said that I'm going to make you a new nation and with your descendants I'll be your God and you'll be my people and all the nations that will be blessed through me later God gave to them the law through Moses that by living out the law they would have an understanding of how to live in this covenant relationship with God and John here is reminding them that you know what that was that was a holy God unapproachable, unvisible. It was a God reaching down to us and saying, but I want a relationship with you so I'm giving you the law and my covenant so you can begin a relationship with me. This was grace. Sometimes people look at the law and say, well, yeah, there's law and then there's grace. And John seems to be indicating, actually the grace or the law is grace. This was God's gift to the people so they can begin a relationship with him. Now, he says, Jesus came to be grace upon grace. So you had grace because you had the law, but now you've got grace upon grace because now you have the son. It's like, you've heard Joe Chalufo talk about his paintings, right? And you've talked, maybe you've seen some around town or in people's homes, and maybe you've thought, oh, I don't I'd like a picture of a, photo, a, a portrait of my own, a painting for my house. Well, this Christmas, Joe surprised you, and he comes with you with a rectangled package, flat package, all wrapped in Christmas wrap, and he, he says, hey, I was thinking about you, and I got you something, and you, you open that, and what's there is a beautiful 11 by 16 white canvas. He said, thank you. And he says, well, I'm, I'm not done, but I just want you to know that I, I, I want to gift you with a, with a scene that will just bring joy, something that's unique to you. And so he, he takes that canvas back. A couple weeks later, brings it back to you. The canvas has now been transformed into these brilliant colors and this beautiful scene in this area, that place that you love when you need to chill and relax and be restored. That place where you go, maybe it's one of those Adirondack chairs on the boardwalk where you just sit and watch the water flow. Maybe it's your back sunroom where you sit and maybe you look into the woods or maybe you look, have the privilege of looking across the water or maybe you, you go somewhere and walk in the state lands. Wherever you go where you find such beauty that brings restoration to you, somehow the artist has captured that on the canvas. When he gave you that canvas, that was grace. Because that wasn't yours before, but it was a gift with a promise. It was a gift that gave you anticipation of something that would one day come and fill the canvas. And that's what God has done through sending Jesus and the work that he's done. It's grace upon grace before. Just the record of God's creating the world is grace to you. He didn't have to reveal how it all started. He didn't have to reveal to you that your being as a human being is the most significant of all creation. He could have left you to just just this assumption that I'm just an animal. Right? So there's a There's a leopard over there, and here's an amoeba over here, and there's me. And so we just kind of do what we do, and we live our life, we live, we die, we crumble into the earth, and then a plant grows out of us, or whatever, right? He could have left you with that assumption, but he didn't. He gave you grace so you would know that you were created with a purpose, that you have a special place in creation, that you are an image bearer of God. You've been given a soul that you have an eternity to anticipate that these 60, 70, 90, however many years we're going to live is not all we have. He revealed that there is an eternal purpose for us as humans. That's grace. Grace upon grace. Is God sending his son so we would know God But his son would do step into the world and do some incredible things, freeing people from bondage of sin and death. He would heal people with chronic disease. He would raise the dead. He would deliver people from demons. He would stop storms. All these things that are beating us down, Jesus would step in for these 33 years and he would say, let me give you a glimpse of what could, could come to you. I'll give you a glimpse, healing from disease, freed from demons, set free from the brokenness of of nature, given eternal life as death cannot defeat you. It's just a glimpse. And then ultimately, he gave his life on the cross where he took upon himself all of our sin and all of our darkness and the things that separated us from the holy God. All those things that kept us from being able to understand his glory. The things that kept us from a relationship with our creator. Jesus solved that by removing those things that separate us and offering that invitation not just to know about God but to know him personally. And then in this life, being able to have his spirit living within us and have that personal walk with him, knowing that one day it's gonna get even better because he is gonna have his dwelling with us and we will live in the physical presence of God one day for all of eternity. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace that's found in the work of God. If you wanted to see a relationship between people, you would look at how they acted. You would look at their actions. If you were curious about my relationship with Nancy, my wife, maybe first you would say you would look to my left hand and you'd see that, oh, there's a wedding ring. They must be married. But you would probably look, try to look closer than that. And you'd maybe watch how I speak to Nancy, how I treasure her. And care for her and provide for her. You'd watch how I would enjoy her and spend time with her. You'd watch how we interacted and spoke to one another. You're looking at our actions to see what relationship truly is. Romans 5 verse 8 says this. But God demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you want to know about God's relationship with you? Do you want to know what he thinks of you? Do you know what he wants from you? Look to what Jesus did. Jesus died for us. While we were sinners in a place where we had no hope of knowing God personally, where God sent his son to solve that so that we can know him in a personal relationship. So how can we receive that, this grace upon grace? Well, Scripture says that whoever believes in him has life. And those that do not believe do not have life. Instead, the wrath of God abides on us. So how do you receive this relationship? We place our belief in Jesus. That's what we proclaimed through our communion time this morning, and that's what we commend to you today. God isn't someone that we just come to observe, come to hear about, or to be intrigued by. That's not his purpose for coming. Jesus came so that we can have that experiential knowledge of him, so we can have that personal relationship with him. And then, he's given us his word so that we can have an ever-increasing understanding of who he is. So that's why we take time to read in the scripture, so we can know more about him, so God can continue to deepen our understanding of what an incredible, awesome God he is and we can see the holiness of God as his glory makes that public because we have Jesus and as we go through these December Sundays I hope that you enjoy the different glimpses of Jesus that we see because as you see Jesus you see God and you see his deep desire to love you and spend all of eternity with you let's pray together Father, we still can't get our minds completely around this. To think that God is in flesh, to fully comprehend that you are 100% man and yet 100% God, Lord, we know no one else like that. There's no one we can really compare ourselves to. Father, you've given us the mind of Christ and I pray, Lord, you would keep teaching us this incredible gift of God with us. Thank you for your abundant grace. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Thank you for your love for us that no matter how many times we've walked away from you, still you want us close. You want to spend eternity with us. So thank you, Lord. And may that unending love draw us closer to you. We give you praise, Lord. We want to exalt you. We want to let the world know about you because life is found in you. So be with us as we think on these things. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org to introduce yourself today.